Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. How are you doing, family? Great. Today is the day the Lord has made, right? We're going to rejoice and be glad in it, regardless of whatever is happening in the world, because there seems to be always something happening in the world. So we might as well just rejoice and be glad in it, regardless of whatever goes on. And so I'm just going to open up in prayer. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you for what you have done through sending your son, Jesus. God, if there is nothing to be thankful for, but just the very fact fact that you sent your son, like that alone, we can be overwhelmed, abounding, overflowing with thankfulness. You didn't have to do that. Like nobody was twisting your arm. You did that by your own will, by your own heart's desire, God, by sending your son. So, God, we just thank you, God, for for just softening our hearts, Lord. Lord, I just yield my mouth, I yield my tongue to be an instrument of righteousness for you. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have called us to be the body of Christ. That each one of us bring a supply that is full and overflowing because every single one of us have the same Jesus. The same Jesus. So we, God, we thank you that as the body that we are connected to you. You are the head and we're connected to you. So, Lord, we just thank you for it. God, we just... Thank you for this day. Our hearts are open. We, we just, right now in this moment, we just say, here's my heart, Lord. <laughs> Speak what is true. My little daughter's been singing that, my little three-year-old daughter. And it's just, it'll bring tears to your eyes. It's such innocence. God has, called, God has called us to a place of innocence. Come like children. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Because your voice, what you have to say, is the only thing that matters. So, Lord, we just thank you that our our ears are open to hear. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm stirred up. Because God is good. And I like to say that today is the happiest day of my life. You've heard me say this before. Today is the happiest day of my life because today I know I'm better than I did yesterday. And if you meet me tomorrow, you're going to meet me on the happiest day of my life because tomorrow I'm going to know I'm better than I did today. And it really, it sounds simplistic, but it really is that simple. It's all, our life lived is all about Him. It's all about knowing Him. It's all about who he is, and what he's done in us. And what I'm sharing today is I'm, talk, I'm going to be sharing in Colossians, and Paul gives this, he gives this whole um, introduction about how the mystery of the ages has been revealed to us. It's been hidden from generation to generation from, age, from the ages, and it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I want let's say it together as a body. Say personalize it. Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's a confident expectation that God's manifest attributes, who he is, will be manifest in your life. It's a confident expectation. See, when we hear the word hope, we think a lot of times we think of how the world describes hope as hope is some kind of wishy-washy, it's this kind of wishful thing, but it's real hope is not 
wishy-washy. Real hope is confident. Real hope does not disappoint. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that real hope does not disappoint. And Paul goes on to in Colossians to lay out this beautiful masterpiece about how Christ in us, the hope of glory, that we are complete in him, that we lack nothing, everything, the fullness of Christ has been given to us. But he says, and this is what I'm preaching on today, is Colossians 2.8. It says, beware lest anyone cheats you. Have you ever felt cheated in life, right? I think we could all, I feel like that's probably a triggered word right now, is cheat, cheated, scammed, taken advantage of. See, Paul lays out what, everything that God has done for us, but he says, beware, what, beware, why? Because there are going to be things in life that are going to try to cheat us from what's been given to us freely by the grace of God. There's going to be opportunities for things to try and come and cheat us out of what belongs to us. And I think God is incredibly passionate when it comes to his children being cheated out of things. What, and I mean by that is he does not want us being his children to be cheated out of anything that's been freely given to us. You hear my heart. Like he doesn't, he doesn't want us to be cheated. He doesn't want us to be cheated that there's a life that we're complete in him. That we don't have to look to anything else to find fulfillment in. We don't have to look for anything else to feel that completeness. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, when he becomes our shepherd, we don't want. Why? Because he provides everything that we need so that we can lie down in green pastures. And in those green pastures, everything that we need is provided so that we can walk beside still waters. And so when we're in that place, then we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we shall fear no evil for his staff will comfort me. See, a lot of times, because people haven't looked to him as their shepherd, they walk through the valley of the shadow of death and they tremble in fear. See, we're not meant to go through the valley of shadow of death without knowing that he's our shepherd and he's the one that leads us through it. Now, God doesn't wish for us to go through valleys. It's just when we do, he's there with us, comforting us. And then he prepares a table before the presence of our enemies. See, there's so much God in us that the, the devil trembles in fear. That if we actually recognize what's on the inside of us, we would never be afraid of a single devil ever. Amen. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Right? We carry the light of the kingdom. Greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. And so there's incredible freedom in that. There's incredible freedom in knowing that he is always for me, he's always with me, and all his promises are yes and amen in him. But just because it's true, we have to grab a hold of it. There are going to be things. Listen, <laughs> anything that's precious, anything that's valuable. See, the devil would not try to cheat you from anything that's not valuable. Let me ask you this question. What is the most valuable thing to God concerning you? When God thinks about you, what is the most valuable thing? We could come up with several different answers. We could probably come up with a list, but I want you to think about that. For me, I, 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 when I ask that question in my own heart, I think about the garden. I think about what was lost. What was lost in the garden? Their innocence, right? That was lost. Their connection with, with God was lost. Their authority was lost. And so I think we have to understand, what does that mean? What does that mean 
innocence. That means for my conscience to be totally clean, for me to be able to live uprightly and live in freedom, not being a slave to, to death, not being slave to sin, not being slave to the indulgence of the flesh, but the spirit that lives on the inside of me makes me free, makes me free to where I never have to live another day of my life in shame, guilt, or condemnation. We say that's an impossibility, but that's what Jesus paid for. Now, I'm not saying that I've arrived, but I've left. Okay? And that's what Paul said. If Paul said it, then I can say it too. Forgetting what's behind me, pressing on towards the goal of Christ Jesus. Me and Glenn were out walking, and this man, this man was spitting some knowledge and wisdom to us. He was an 85-year-old man who was out there fishing in my neighborhood. And he said, he said this to me, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, it's okay to look in the past, and it's okay to look in the future. The problem is you don't live in the past, and you don't live in the future, right? It's okay to look where you've been. It's okay to look ahead, but you don't live where you've been and you don't live where you're going. You live in right now in the present heartbeat from heartbeat. Because here's the thing, the mercies of God, it says, I present myself by the mercies of God to be a living sacrifice for him. It's by the mercies of God. Mercies are, mercies are like a lasso. You know, see a lasso, you know, get, get a horse or get something. Mercy's constantly lassoing you, trying to draw you into his favor, into his life. And it's guilt, shame, and condemnation that keep us apart from him. Yep. You know, God never separates himself from you, no matter where you've been. It doesn't mean that he's giving you a license to just live out however you want to. It's that it's we in our, in our minds that separate ourselves from him because of that guilt, that shame, and that condemnation. God's a loving father. And he paid for everything so that we could actually be free from a sin consciousness. That's the gospel. You know, the gospel is that you don't ever have to live another day being sin conscious. Man, that was such freedom for me. Because so much of my life I lived just with constant sin consciousness. I gave this example. I was um, in a message before that I was driving through Peachtree City, and it was slammed packed with traffic. Y'all, y'all know that experience. Anybody experience that? Yeah, <laughs> every day. And uh, you know, the big five O was there. <laughs> the the police. Oh, they're they're always in Peachtree City. And this cop was sitting there. I was. I think I was passing by Best Buy. And I, I picked something up uh, in my own heart and recognized something. I passed by that cop, and I'm going five miles per hour. And I passed by him, and I looked in my rearview mirror to see if he would pull me over. <laughs> I'm doing nothing, doing nothing wrong. I'm living, the, I'm living the most uprightly I've ever lived in my life, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm making straight A's, I'm doing everything I need to do, and I still have the temptation to look in the rear view to see if he's going to pull me over. Why? Sin consciousness. Right? You, you can be living, you can be living, a, have all your ducks in a row and be living the straight and narrow but as long as you, if you don't understand the gospel and what it has done for us and what's been provided for us, that that's what it means to be complete in him, then you're going to constantly live your life looking in the rearview mirror. And I'm telling you, that's bondage. You want to kick that thing to the curb because it doesn't belong in your life. Because it's keeping you trapped. It's a snare. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us. Because as long as he can keep you trapped in that place, you're going to continue just to beat yourself up, disqualify yourself. And listen, you have, so, you have Jesus to give. And you'll never give him because you'll be, you'll be snared by that, by that guilt, shame, and condemnation. See, that's the strength of religion. 
do this, do this, do this. You know, it says the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. That's one of the things that we're talking about that cheats you, the traditions of men. And here's the thing. See, we get cheated by things that have the appearance of something good. They have the appearance of something good, and they're not evil in themselves. But when we, we, we segment these things apart from Christ and we take away Christ having preeminence, meaning having first place in our life, then something becomes an idol. But as long as we keep him first place and him preeminent, then those things, life is going to be filtered through them. But as, if, we, if we make these things, other things first place, then we could be cheated from the life that he has for us. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So I think I'll start my message now. All right. Um, so let me just read through this verse. Um, Colossians 2.8 that says, um, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So beware. I'm going to use that word in a sentence because when I think of that word, I, I like thought of funny things. Like I thought of like beware of bees, beware of bears. Um, beware of like strong currents, right? I like thought of like different ways. Like that's a weird word. We don't use beware every day, right? So, but the point is like, if there's like a beware sign, like a caution sign, you probably want to pay attention to it. Like, you know, there's not usually a sign like beware of squirrels or something like that, right? <laughs> so it's usually things that you would be, unless they're like mange squirrels and they're crazy or something. <laughs> Then, yeah, you'd be afraid. Okay, so I have some funny warning signs. I want Y'all want a funny? All right, we can have funny. So, okay. So these are some, like, signs um, that... So these, just so you know, these signs were probably created, obviously, because somebody did this, okay? So these signs wouldn't have to actually be made unless somebody actually did these things. All right, so do not breathe underwater. That's probably a good idea. All right. In case of fire, exit building before tweeting about it. I want to know who did that. Did they die? I don't, I don't know. Okay. Um, danger, do not touch. Not only will this kill you, it will hurt the whole time you're dying. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, zero feet, no diving. <laughs> Duh. Okay, uh, do not iron while wearing shirt. <laughs> okay, is that the last one? Oh, there's one more. Okay, this says do not climb, play on, around pipe. And if you see, have y'all seen this picture before? Yeah, I've seen this before. So everybody's on the pipe doing the exact opposite thing. All right. All right, so when Paul says this, you know, he's, he means something by it, okay? It's not something he just lays out a whole bunch of bewares through the New Testament. You know, he's, he, if you read Colossians 1 and Colossians 2, it's just like Paul cannot finish a sentence. He just goes on and on and on, and then it's like, because he's just like, I think he's just so excited, overflowing. He's just got thing after thing after thing to say, and you know, the church of Colossae, he had, really, he had phenomenal things to say about them. He says, I pray for you every day. You're abounding in love, and God is just doing great things through your church, okay? And then he lays out, you know, that you heard Clint earlier say this in Colossians, you've been translated from darkness into, into light, and in him we have redemption through his blood, and the mystery has been revealed. Also, it says that you have been presented blameless and holy. <laughs> That's a pretty th good thing, above reproach. So Paul says all these great things, and then the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And then it gets into Colossians 2.8, and he says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you. You know, you know the interesting thing I see in the 
epistles is like, and so as I'm listening to them more, especially the epistles of Paul, I'm man, he his there he has such a heart of love, really. There's such a heart, there's such a tone of just love and admiration for the church. And I think as I think as like as a father, he would to say, like when we give a warning, I think sometimes we're reluctant, you know, reluctant. Can I even say the word? Reluctant. To hear, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Um, To hear a warning, right? Because it feels sometimes like, you know, a shot at us. But I don't think Paul is meaning it by a shot at us. I think he's genuinely concerned that nothing take away from us this most valuable and precious truth that Christ in you, the fullness of him who dwells in you bodily, you are complete in him. That's why he's saying it, not to beat us up, not to make us feel bad because he cares. And so just to know how much he cares, this is Paul's labor. Colossians 1.29 says this, He says, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He's saying, like, I, and one, the Amplified says, to the point of exhaustion, I do this, but Christ who works in me, his grace works in me. And so Paul's not sitting on his butt waiting for grace to happen. He's saying, I'm putting my hand to the plow And I'm doing the work, and I'm doing it with everything that's inside of me. And Christ, his life, his spirit is given, energizing me and strengthening me to do this work. And so don't, you know, we can't think like, I mean, these letters, he has poured his, if you read Paul's credentials, like in 2 Corinthians 11, that he was, you know, he was stoned, he was he was beaten with, um, you know, whips, and he went starvation and all the sleepless nights and shipwrecked and persecuted, all these things that Paul went through. Why did he do it? I mean, what, and what would cause a person to be motivated to suffer their own, their own will? Why? Because of the love that God has for the body of Christ. Because Christ, that the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. We were the joy. We were the motivation so that Christ could endure. And I think Paul is basically saying the same thing here. So beware lest anyone. Who's anyone? Anyone. Anyone. I don't care if it's your grandma. (laughs) I don't care... If it's your best friend, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It could be, I don't care if it's social media. I don't care what TikTok says. I don't care. Like, we let no one, anyone, cheat you. Okay? Nobody. It doesn't matter. Beware lest anyone teach you, uh, anyone cheat you. This word means lead astray as prey. We could say scanned, robbed, spoiled, taken advantage of. I was um, rock climbing one day, and someone broke into my car while I was out rock climbing, shattered my window, and I had this bag that my mom got from Guatemala, and it was, had my Bible and my journal in it. And this Bible was like the Bible that, like, that I had with me when my life totally was transformed in this journal I've been writing in for years. They took my Bible and my journal. That was it. I was like, okay, I guess I'm... Yeah, right? So how did I feel? I felt cheated, man. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm like, please just... I'll pay you. I'll give you money. Just give me back my Bible because it meant a lot to me. And so it doesn't feel good to be cheated doesn't be, feel good to be scammed. Like, watch out for the clickbait on Facebook and all that stuff, right? It's just stuff that's trying, what does it try to do? It tries to, we all get that stuff now. You get on your phone, it's just dumb. They're trying to get you, they're trying to 
get your information, get your money, right? But it uses something, what? It looks, it has the appearance of something good. You know, when we, we one time, we won a raffle or something to Hawaii or something like that. And I was like, no, this is not, this is not real. It was one of those things. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe we missed out on the trip of a lifetime, but I don't know. Um, anyways. Um, okay. All right. Colossians 2, 9 through 10. I just want to read through this. It says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you say, I am complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So if he's the head of all principality of power and he's in you, <laughs> I wonder where that positions you. That's pretty good because if Satan's under his feet, I wonder if he's under ours too. That's pretty good. All right. Okay, so fullness. When I think of this word fullness, I think of bursting nets. And it says this in Luke 5.5. 5. I don't know if I have this. In, I don't think I have this in my notes. But it says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. This was when Jesus called Peter. And it says, But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So here's the scene. Peter's out there fishing in his own strength, and he can catch nothing. And then Jesus comes by. He's fishing all night long, and Jesus comes by and says, you need to go back out there. And be like, oh, Jesus, you better be kidding me. You know, you better have something up your sleeve, because I've been doing this all night long. I've, I've been doing this to the point of exhaustion. I'm I have tried every single way. Has anybody ever been there? <laughs> right? But Jesus says, at my word, Peter said, at his word, but at your word, you say so, I will let down the nets. And when he had done so, the nets were so full of fish that they were breaking. And that's a picture of fullness in our lives. That God doesn't just give you just enough fullness of him. He gives you fullness to the place that there is no more room. Another way of saying it is it's like a mansion with no empty rooms. Your life is full. Everything that we need in Him. Now I will qualify that by saying if you've put your faith in Him, if you have not put your faith in Jesus, if you have not put your faith in Him, you have not become a new creation. And his life is not inside of you. It comes simply by putting your trust in him and making him the Lord and Savior of your life. And when you do that, there's the greatest miracle that happens. He changes you from the inside out, making old things, behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He makes you new in every single way. We, we sang it today, all things new, right? All things new. Okay, and he says all things, this says in Second, Second Peter, it says all things pertaining to life and godliness have been given to us. Think about that. All things that pertain to life and godliness. What's, in, what's, what's encompassed with life? <laughs> Any, you could think about almost anything and godliness. Everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness have been given to us to be a partaker of his divine nature. Everything that we need to walk the life that, we, that he's called us to has been given to us. Amen? Okay. So philosophy and empty deceit. So when I think about philosophy and empty deceit, you know, I, there was this period of time in my life when I, has anybody ever heard of the secret? Yeah. Yeah, it's a secret. It's basically the law of attraction. And I was really, this is before Jesus, I'm like, I was seeking for truth, right? I think philosophy is, it's, a, it's, it's seeking for truth. It's seeking for wisdom. But again, anytime we seek truth apart from him, we miss out. We, we're, we're being cheated, right? You understand? 
Because, like, I was, I was seeking that. But listen, the secret, the law of attraction, all those things are good. But listen, the secret can't make you born again. The secret can't transform you like he did for me and deliver me from a drug addiction that was destroying my life. The secret can't change you into a different kind of being. And philosophy can't do it. That's why in itself, philosophy apart from Christ. Because Colossians all about the supremacy of who Christ is. That all life, everything that was created, was created through him and for him. And so it just, it just keeps going back to Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I'm afraid because of these things, they have cheated us from the simplicity of the gospel. And I think it happens because of sincere motive. Have you, you can be incredibly, we can be incredibly sincere about wanting change in our life and wanting to experience the kingdom. Right? We've probably have all been down that path of wanting something sincerely. But without spiritual maturity, we have, we have the ability to be cheated by these things. Does that make sense? Because without that spiritual maturity, sometimes we'll, ch we'll chase the thing that seems shiny, Right? Like, my kids, I don't want my kids eating candy and snacks all day. They, they look really good. <laughs> they taste really good, right? But it's not, it's not good for them. They can have it here and there, but they cannot have a diet of, of sugar, right? And Tori said amen to that, right? And so just because, again, something has the appearance of something good, it, we can't chase ass chase after it. We must make Christ the supreme. Like when Jesus looks up, there's nothing else. It's him. He is the top. <laughs> he is, he's the top. He's the most high. And there's none higher than him. It says in Colossians 2, 3, it says, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And just to go to that simplicity, Colossians 2.6 says this. It says, just as you received him, so walk in him. Amen. How did you receive him? You received him by grace through faith. He provided it through his blood. He provided it through everything that he did through the cross, through the resurrection, and you grabbed a hold of it. You put your trust in that. And when you put your trust in that, you became saved. It was by grace through faith. And then he says, just as you received him, so walk in him. So the way that we walk, the way that we're being, we are being transformed is by the same process. Just the simplicity of how we received him into our life. And that's what, that's what are things that want to try and cheat you away from, that simplicity of that message, right? Because what happens a lot of times is we get really on fire for Jesus, right, when we get born again. And then I'm guilty of it. You allow other things to kind of creep in and allow other things that have the appearance of good, and they may not be bad, but we forget Christ is the substance of all things. And, and when we forget that, we end up being cheated by these things, right? Traditions of men, Mark 7, 13 says, making the word of God of no effect through, tradi through, tradition, through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Again, traditions aren't necessarily bad, but when we put our trust in them apart from Christ, the basic principles of the world, not according to Christ. And when I think of this, I think about the things that are 
For example, boasting, Paul said, I boast in my weakness. The world says, the principle, basic principle of the world says you boast in your strength. But we boast in our weakness because when we boast in our weakness, it says then we are made strong. See, I don't have to be afraid to be weak or I don't have to be afraid of, of if, if fear or something like this comes because if I know who he is and I have that relationship with him, then even when I feel weak, I'm going to run towards him. And when I run towards him and I, and I say, Lord, I need help, I'm going to find strength that's not of my own. There's nothing I hold on to. There's nothing I hold on to. And when I do that, I'm going to find a grace and a strength that I've never experienced in my life to go through whatever I'm going through. Another one is, to regard no one after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The world teaches us to regard everyone according to their, to their mistakes, their failures. We have all these stereotypes. But we're to regard no one after the flesh. You think Jesus walked around, he didn't regard anyone after the flesh. Think about why he had such a good day every day. <laughs> He had a lot that he could be distraught about, couldn't he? Loving your enemies. That's not a principle of this world, right? We constantly argue, bicker over stuff that really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, yeah, I'm not saying it's not important, but is it essential? What's essential is for us to be the body of Christ, unified, looking to Him as our answer and our solution for everything. Because I don't want to be cheated. I don't want to be cheated for the most precious gift that my Father has to offer. And that's Christ in me, the hope of glory. The work of Christ. So if you continue to read after this about being cheated by these things, I kind of laid out just the principles of what's happening. He performed spiritual circumcision. He buried us with him. He raised us up with him. He forgave us of all our trespasses. He wiped out the handwriting requirements against us. He disarmed powers and principalities. He's disarmed them. This is the work. So he doesn't just leave us in a state to be cheated. He does something about it. He performs a work in our heart. He, 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 he cuts. So the, the word of God, you know what? The word of God is called, it's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. It, dividing the soul from the spirit. You want your soul to be divided from your spirit. You want to recognize it because your soul is where your mind, will, and emotions live. And you want to recognize, am I living from, from my mind, will, and emotions being dictated by this world? Or I'm, am I allowing my mind, will, and emotions, my desires, my motives to be dictated by the spirit of the living God? And so the Word of God, what, what the Word of God does, that's why you don't want to be cheated through tradition. You don't want to be cheated by philosophy. It's empty. It can offer us nothing. You don't want to be empty by the basic principles of this world because you, we want the Word of God as our hearts being softened through intimacy and relationship with the King of Kings. The Word of God, what it does is it's just like a scalpel, a, a, a surgeon's scalpel that goes in and it does a work, and it cuts, and it helps us recognize between spirit and soul. Because we're not supposed to live, like I, I was feeling really good during worship, right? I was, I was feeling emotion, and God wants us to feel good. God just doesn't want us to be led by emotions. Because emotions can waver. They can go up and down. 
And a lot of times if you wake up and you're not feeling it and you don't get a hold of your emotions right then and there, it's going to dictate and determine the way that you think the rest of the day. Part of that, part of that philosophy is just mere human speculation. You know how much time we waste speculating and imagining things that don't even exist? About with people, about relationships, about things, perceived motives and perceived stuff. It's garbage. And it's destroying the body of Christ from having unity and fellowship and love. Jesus was passionate about this. You know how Jesus started his ministry? He went to the wilderness for 40 days, fasted, defeated the devil. He didn't come out there weak, crawling. He came out there returning in the power of the Spirit. And then he went, and what did he do? He went to a wedding <laughs> and turned water into wine. That's one way to start your ministry. Disciples are like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, you just, we, you just had this epic trilogy with the devil, and now we're going to go to a wedding? Yeah, because I'm bringing new wine into your life. The, I, the man that was over the wedding said, you know, normally the good wine gets served first, but you have saved the good wine for last. Because the wine ran out. Listen, God offers us through Jesus a, a celebration and enjoyment of life that never runs out. That's why he's a well that never runs dry. That's why he's the bread of life and you can always partake, partake of him. That's why when he sees a multitude that are hungry, he says, I got the answer. I look to heaven and I recover my sight and I see there's more than enough. What does he do after that? He goes to the temple, and he makes a whip. I'm like telling Jesus, like, okay, I know you're passionate, okay? I know you're excited, but this is probably not going to go over well. Like, we want people to like us a little bit, like, you know? And here he is. He's making a whip. He's making a whip. It's like, we're not used to this, Jesus. And like, Jesus, what, what are you doing? Mm. I just can't talk to you right now. <laughs> so upset. No, like he's not like that. He's passionate. He's a pa he, he had gone to this temple every year, Passover, and he'd seen people cheated, cheated from a true place of worship, a true place of honor. Listen. <laughs> I feel like the world is being cheated right now from the, the, the gospel, but the gospel is on the rise. Yes, it is. There is a great awakening that we will not be cheated by philosophy. We won't be cheated by tradition. We won't be cheated by the basic principles of this world yes. because they don't offer us life. Life is in him. All life comes through him. Jesus is extremely narrow <laughs> when it comes to the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, you need to be a little bit more open-minded. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no other way. There is no other life. There is nothing apart from him. We can't be afraid to be narrow when it comes to the truth because the world's telling us to be so open-minded to everything else. No, Jesus is the truth and the life. <laughs> he's, and he's anointed with the oil of gladness. Like he is all those things, but it doesn't, he's not been out of shape. <laughs> He's not perturbed. He's not biting his nails about what's happening in the world. He is fully confident and trust us to carry the message of hope. Every single one of us bring a supply and it's time for us to carry the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith and everything that tries to cheat us 
We just throw our shield up and we stand and we fight the good fight of faith, knowing that he's not the one causing suffering. He's not the one dis distributing all this stuff. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, that's actually, I've heard, that's actually talking about teaching. There's teaching that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's actually a progression, steal, kill, and destroy. Because the enemy can't kill until he's stolen from you. And once you've cheated, you're already down a line where he can kill and destroy your life. And not just yours, people around you. But you carry the light of the world. Don't be hidden. Be a light. Shine your light. Yes. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's awesome. It's too good to be true. That's what the gospel means. Too good to be true news. And you say, well, I didn't grow up in that place, or that wasn't how I was raised, or this is not what I believe. Well, get a new belief. <laughs> <laughs> believe Jesus. He's not asking you for, to be a scholar. He's not asking you to have the whole Bible memorized. He's just asking for your heart. And when you give him your heart, he can do more than you could ever imagine. You know, my prayer, when I, so I was addicted to methamphetamines for five years of my life. Every day, just boom, boom, boom. I mean, even when as far as doing some even worse things. And and I heard the gospel, and my, my father, I've shared this before, my father who's here, he had an encounter with the love of God, and the love of God began to change his life. And, I, and my, my father just began to show me unconditional love, agape love, the love of God that's unconditional. He just loves because that's, you know, God loves because he's love. Like God's not, arm is not twisted to love you. And he just continued to love me right where I was at, and nothing changed in my life for a while. And he just kept sowing that seed, kept sowing that seed, kept sowing that seed. And I was like, there's got to be something. There's got to be something more to my life. You know, I have no vision, no purpose, nothing in my life. I have nothing. <laughs> I feel like I have nothing to offer. And I'm just just living in despair and all these things. And I just, this was my prayer. I said, God, I know there's something more. And it wasn't in a church. It was in, the, in my basement on, the, on this concrete floor on my knees. And I said, God, I know there's got to be more to my life. And I said, whatever it is, I just want to receive it right now by faith. And that simplistic prayer changed my life in that moment. Totally. Totally. Forever, forever changed. From forever changed to even have the desire for it. That's real transformation. Not taking away from other changes in life, but God wants to change us where there's not even a desire for it. It's not even appealing. We don't want it. Why? Because it's causing death, suffering, misery. Why would we want that? Because we've been cheated and deceived from the truth. We've believed lies about who God is, believed lies about who we are, and believed lies about all these other people. Oh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, everybody's a hypocrite. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> we all fall short of the glory of God, but it's he who freely justifies us by his blood. <laughs> When he justifies you, he treats you as just as if you've never sinned. He makes you innocent and blameless and above reproach, meaning that he's not holding a record of your wrongs. When you go to heaven, you don't have a rap sheet. It's gone. He rips it up. He nailed it to the cross. That's what it says in Colossians 2. That's how he disarmed principalities and powers. The very one who wrote the law nailed himself to the cross. Willingly. Nobody took Jesus' life. He gave it willingly. And he, the devil did not see that coming. Because why? The devil lived by the basic principles of this world. 
Because if you have that mindset and that belief, if you live by the basic principles of this world, you're not going to believe that sending the Son of God to die on a cross is going to pay and deliver mankind forever when they put their simple trust in Him. The devil is blinded. He wants you cheated because he's cheated. He can't even see it. God. Mm. Verse 23 says this. It says, These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom. It says it right there in Scripture. These things have the appearance of wisdom. In self-imposed religion, false humility, and that's just religion. There's a place of true humility where you recognize everything that you have is because of his life in you. I don't carry fault. You know, true humility echoes the same thing that God says about you in your life, in your confession. God says, the righteous are bold as a lion. Guess what? I'm righteous. Not because of anything I've done. Not because of my, my, my works are like filthy rags, the Bible says. But he gives me his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for me so that I could become the righteousness of God. That's the message that we carry. In neglect of the body, we think we just, you know, I mean, we even do that in small things. When we mess up and we just think, well, I kind of deserve to feel a little guilty, at least for today, you know. <laughs> and then I'll wake up and his mercies will be new as the dew is in the morning. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> I'm talking to myself. Listen, his mercies are new every single moment. His mercies are new like this. You waiting for a day to go by to wait to to receive his mercies is you just cheating yourself. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. That's the strong desire for your flesh, you know, to just do whatever it wants to do. You know, well, you're just nothing but an animal. You know, you're just going to do what you're going to do. You're just a sinner saved by grace. You might as well just save no, you're not. That's an outright, that, that's a lie. If you're born again, I was a sinner, but then I got saved. And I took on his nature on the inside of me. Again, I'm not saying I walk it out perfectly, but I'm set on a course. That when now, when I fall, I make a mistake, I'm quick to run to my father and say, thank you, God. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for, you've made me a new creation in you. You've made all things new. God, I thank you that you've put a motive inside of me to live godly and to live righteously and to have a pure mind and a pure heart. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the meek, so they shall inherit the earth. I thank you, God, that you are just doing a wonderful work into me. And even if I'm not feeling it today, I thank you I'm being transformed. I Every single day. That's what his word says. I'm going to believe his word above my circumstances, above my emotions, even above my desires sometimes. Don't be ignorant. This is 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says, don't be ignorant lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And if you read the context of that verse, just so you know, it's, it is, it's talking about forgiveness. You know, it's talking about forgiving one another. Also, that man that was spitting some wisdom, he said, giving and forgiving. Jesus went about giving and forgiving. I was like, man, that's going to be, that's my new motto, giving and forgiving. But we can be ignorant of these things that are trying to cheat us from life. 
We don't want to be, you know, say, you know, what you don't know won't hurt you. Have you heard that? That's baloney. It's killing you. <laughs> we die, we're, you know, it says we're perishing for a lack of knowledge. It's actually in Hosea where it's talking about this marriage covenant, talking about Hosea, he keeps um, marrying Gomer even though Gomer's committing adultery over and over again and he keeps receiving her back into this covenant of marriage. Wow, that's a picture, right? And it's talking about we perish because of a lack of knowledge because ultimately we don't understand the goodness of God. Like even if you read in the rest of John 3, after John 3.16, it talks about this light that, you know, ex- it exposes, that it says that we're already condemned. We're already condemned apart from Christ. But the light comes, you know, to expose. And we're, we're afraid of that spotlight. But I'm telling you, when you understand the character and nature of God, you want that spotlight on you because you know his intention. You know that his only intention for you is good. So you want him to shine his light on your heart and, and expose things that are hidden and things that are cheating you from life. And it starts from understanding this place of the finished work of the cross, how God, you become whole through his love in you. And when you become whole through his love, then you can just, you can, you can face anything. You can handle conviction. You can handle correction. You can handle these things. You can handle the discipline of the Lord. Like, we're scared. Like, I used to be like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. But like, from a place, uh, he's my father and I'm his son. And he's only going to do anything that's good then I want him, I want him, I want him steering my ship. I want him steering the course. You know, it says there is a way that seems right to a man, but leads to death. Just be, well, you know, how do you know, how do you know you should do that? Well, it seems right. I hear that all the time. You better watch out. Beware. When you're saying that, you're just leaning on your own understanding. And I promise you, if, you live, if, we, if we live our lives leaning on our own understanding, we're going to be cheated from the completeness that is found in him. So I have this little practical exercise I wanted, wanted us to do. Is identify, so we're going to kind of play the devil's advocate for a second, all right? And, and what I did was I asked myself, if I was the devil <laughs> and I was going to cheat myself, right? If I was going to cheat myself from experiencing his fullness and his completeness, how would I do it? Now, I don't want, this is not an area of you to identify a specific sin. I mean, if that's where you go with it, you know, the, the point is more about looking beh- beh- more, a deeper level about what's motivating, what's motivating this area of my life, right? And so for me, I'm just, so this is a time for me to be just real and transparent. The first immediate things, if I was the devil... Okay, and I was going to cheat Courtney Olson. Here's what I would do. I would keep him in strife with his wife. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, you can't say that. (laughs) I would keep him self-conscious, always fearing to make a mistake. And then I would keep him just totally ate up in sin consciousness, right? So that's me. That's Three areas where if I wanted to really cheat myself, I know like if I'm in strife with my wife and there's not, there's not agape love working in the relationship, 
Like, I cannot connect. To, I have a real hard time connecting with Jesus. I'm just being real. Anybody? No. <laughs> no hands. <laughs> just me. Yeah. Y'all are perfect saints, I know. Um, but for me, I'm just, oh, I made up. I'm like, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to get into Jesus. And it's like, it's not that my stomach just rumbled. That's what it was like, you know. Um, but it just has a real, I have a real hard time connecting when there's strife. And then when I'm self-conscious, you know, self-conscious is just like totally ha- feeling like someone's looking over your back, you know, it just even if nobody's there, it's just this constant self-awareness. Self-awareness keeps you from, from loving God and loving people, just being honest. As long as you're so, if we're so consumed with ourselves, we have a real hard time focusing on others. We have a hard time focusing on Jesus, right? And so if the devil can just keep me just focused on me, well, then I'm going to have a real hard time, you know, I'm going to have a real hard time connecting with fulfillment through him. And then sin consciousness, you know, if I can just be ate up with looking at the rearview mirror constantly, you know, looking at my past, looking at who I used to be, things I used to done, you know, then that's going to keep me from pressing on toward the goal of the prize of Jesus. And so what you do is you just identify, I want you to identify three areas in your life that you feel like, you ask yourself, you can literally ask yourself, if I was the devil, how would I cheat Tori? How would I cheat Bob? How would I cheat Tim? And then you identify those three areas. Remember, you want to remember the love of God through the whole process. God is not keeping any record of our wrongs. God loves us unconditionally. But this is a chance and an opportunity for us to be honest with ourselves. Because if, until we can be honest with ourselves, then we're just going to continue to be cheated by life. We can even be cheated by focusing so much on being cheated by life. Circumstances. Don't focus so much on circumstances cheating you. Focus on what's being cheated from you spiritually. Because that's the true life, spiritual life. That's everything that Jesus came to redeem is spiritual life. And in spiritual life is everything that we need. And so it would look, I'm just going to spontaneously, I'm going to share this and we'll close. So you craft a prayer based upon scripture, based upon truth that would contradict all those lies, all those things that are cheating you. So for me, I'm just going to, this isn't prepared, it's not written. So Father, I just thank you that you were made, you are love and I'm made in the image of love. God, I thank you through Jesus that you demonstrated how to walk in love. You showed me the way how to walk in love. And Father, I thank you that my wife is a gift. I thank you that our relationship, God, is a picture of our relationship that I have with you, Jesus. Jesus, that you are the husband and I am the bride, God. And you have called me. You've not only called me, but you've empowered me by your grace and by your love, God, to love my wife as you love the church. So I thank you for that. I thank you that strife has nothing to do with my new nature. It has nothing to do with my new created being. God, even if I fall into strife, I thank you that your mercy and your redemption would call me back into a place of righteousness and justification that's been freely given through your blood. And Father, I thank you that I don't have to be self-conscious. I thank you that I can put on the same mind that was in you. That's talked about in Philippians 2. That I can empty myself, God, just as you emptied yourself and you made yourself of no reputation. Thank you that you had this mind on you 
And you've empowered me to not to esteem others higher than myself. God, I thank you that your word is not a standard. God, it's, it's a life. It's an invitation to come into. And God, I thank you with the area of sin consciousness. I thank you that your blood, it says in Hebrews 10 to, has washed me of all sin consciousness. I thank you that even though there was a reminder in the Old Testament of sin every day through sacrifices and every year through the Day of Atonement, God, I thank you that your sacrifice was once and for all, forever cleansing me of all sin and taking my sin as far as the east is from the west and totally making me white as snow. So, Father, I thank you that I don't have to live with a rear-view Christianity. I I thank you for the truth in Jesus' name. And as you pray, whatever prayer you craft, I want you to pray it for three days. I want you to be disciplined in your life because you are worth, you're worth the blood of Christ. You're worth not being cheated by all these things, cheated by philosophy and empty deceit, traditions of man, and the principles of this world. And I want to challenge you, journal, journal something each day as you're praying this prayer, and I, and see, see what happens, and allow grace to come and influence you in those areas that the devil's already been defeated, he's already been disarmed by the powers and principalities. Amen. Amen.